Chapter Two of The Trail of the Lonesome Pine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Trail of the Lonesome Pine by John Fox, Jr. Chapter Two. He had seen the big pine when he first came to those hills, one morning at daybreak, when the valley was a sea of mist that threw soft clinging spray to the very mountain tops. For even above the mists that morning, its mighty head arose, sole visible proof that the earth still slept beneath. Straightway, he wondered how it had ever got there, so far above the few of its kind that haunted the green dark ravines far below. Some whirlwind, doubtless, had sent a tiny cone circling heavenward, and dropped it there. It had sent others, too, no doubt. But how had this tree faced wind and storm alone, and alone lived to defy both so proudly? Some day he would learn. Thereafter he had seen it, at noon, but little less majestic among the oaks that stood about it, had seen it catching the last light at sunset, clean-cut against the afterglow and like a dark, silent, mysterious sentinel guarding the mountain pass under the moon. He had seen it giving place with sombre dignity to the passing burst of spring, had seen it green among dying autumn leaves, green in the grey of winter trees, and still green in a shroud of snow, a changeless promise that the earth must wake to life again. The lonesome pine, the mountaineers called it, and the lonesome pine it always looked to be. From the beginning it had a curious fascination for him, and straightway within him, half-exile that he was, there sprang up a sympathy for it as for something that was human and a brother. And now he was on the trail of it at last. From every point that morning it had seemed almost to knot down to him as he climbed, and when he reached the ledge that gave him sight of it from base to crown, the winds murmured among its needles like a welcoming voice. At once he saw the secret of its life. On each side rose a cliff that had sheltered it from storms until its trunk had shot upward so far and so straight and so strong that its green crown could lift itself on and on and bend, blow what might, as proudly and securely as a lily on its stalk in a morning breeze. Dropping his bridle rein, he put one hand against it as though on the shoulder of a friend. "'Old man!' he said. You must be pretty lonesome up here, and I'm glad to meet you. For a while he sat against it, resting. He had no particular purpose that day, no particular destination. His saddle-bags were across the cantle of his cowboy saddle. His fishing-rod was tied under one flap. He was young and his own master. Time was hanging heavy on his hands that day, and he loved the woods and the nooks and crannies of them, where his own kind rarely made its way. Beyond, the cove looked dark, forbidding, mysterious, and what was beyond he did not know. So down there he would go. As he bent his head forward to rise, his eye caught the spot of sunlight, and he leaned over it with a smile. In the black earth was a human footprint, too small and slender for the foot of a man, a boy, or a woman, Beyond, the same prints were visible, wider apart, and he smiled again. A girl had been there. 
She was the crimson flash that he saw as he started up the steep, and mistook for a flaming bush of sumac. She had seen him coming, and she had fled. Still smiling, he rose to his feet. End of chapter.